0: See, John, I told you that would be fun.
1: You know, they say... That it is bigger on the inside, but it actually is a lot bigger on the inside. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it's very vast. I guess Man. I never really thought about it that much.
0: Well, come on. I mean, we haven't even explored half of everything that's in there. I mean, did you see the swimming pool?
1: Um, I did. Uh, which one though?
0: Uh, the one just to I think it was the left of the library.
1: Ooh, I think I saw the one that was just to the right. It's weird that you would have so much literature in between so much body of water.
0: It's not the safest thing, but, you know, I didn't design the interior of the TARDIS. True. um, Yeah, that's kind of weird. We should ask somebody about that. But we came back with the third episode of Class.
1: Yes. um, Very excited to talk about this episode.
0: Me too. Should we dive into it? We. Literally.
1: <laughs> I see what ah. you did there because of the dual pools.
0: The water thing.
1: Yes, we shall. All
0: right, let's do it.
1: Hello. Everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica. Here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network, we reviewed the third episode of Class. But before we get to that, I would like to welcome in my good friend Taylor. Taylor, how goes it, sir?
0: It goes really well. I'm uh, I'm in a great mood because just today. Tonight, we have celebrated my son's shift.
1: Oh, birthday. yes. That's, that is correct. Happy birthday.
0: Indeed. Happy birthday to our boy, Perrin, who is now trying to fall asleep and not doing a great job of it. Oh, boy. Uh, it's been a fun day. I mean, he's off this week for Thanksgiving. My wife's off this week for Thanksgiving because she's a teacher. Oh. So they've been kind of, you know having fun and doing their thing and so yeah winding down from a birthday is never easy
1: oh no it never is
0: nope how are you you've got some kind of cool stuff happening this week right
1: yeah it is my last day tomorrow at well I guess uh, let's see it is uh, it was my last day Tuesday at my current job and then my first day Wednesday at my new job
0: Oh, you start right up just in time for the Thanksgiving holiday. My god, I thought you'd have some time off.
1: No, sir, just straight wow. to work. Wow. Uh, <laughs>
0: well, congrats on the new gig. I really hope it goes well for you. I know how much you wanted it.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a good change of pace for me. Uh, we will be I will be working with a uh, friend of the show and just friend in general, Anna. So
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Hi, Anna. A little
1: Barnes and Noble reunion there. Excellent. So yeah, that's um that's pretty exciting. So we have some Who news, but before we get to our Who news, we actually had um, our good friend Mike from This Is Where It Gets Complicated and the TimeScoop cast. Uh, he went to LI Who, yeah, Long Island, Island Who, Who. and mm-hmm. he recorded a little something for us. So we're going to uh, kick it on over to that right about. Now.
2: Hi, this is Michael Sulko. I'm the moderator of the Time Scoop podcast. I'm sure you've heard me name drop more than once here on the Podcastica show. And the guys asked me to drop in and do a recap of Long Island 2-4, which took place in Long Island, appropriately enough, on November 11th through 13th at the Hyatt Regency. LI Who has quickly become one of the most popular Doctor Who conventions I'd say it's really one of the top three along with Chicago TARDIS and of course Gallifrey One here stateside I'd say attendance wise maybe it's about half of what you would get at Gallifrey One maybe about 1500 to 2000 people but guest wise it is fantastic I mean uh, this this weekend you had Peter Davison Colin Baker Paul McGann as well as several cast members from the Paul McGann TV movie from 96 Gemma Redgrave was there Nicholas Briggs Annika Wills Peter Purvis Fraser Hines and of course Sophie Aldred friend of Podcastica was there as well. Uh, so there are more guests than you know what to do with, and it's really impressive for what would be perceived as a small con, perhaps, but it's not. Now, I tend to focus on panels a little more than the celebrities, for the most part, as well as I've been to a few of the conventions, so I've met some of the celebrities in the past. Now, I also got to see Andrew Cartmill uh, at the convention, and I've seen him at two previously, and uh, you know at this point, he, rec- he knows who I am, so I'm the goofy guy who dresses up on Saturday as the seventh doctor, but it was really neat because he had a panel at the show, um, and he got to talk a little bit about his new novel, which is called uh, written in dead wax it's the first in the series of the vinyl detective which is about a detective who specializes in finding rare and missing lps uh, as in records like you'd listen to on an old lp player uh, it's it's a really fun series um, it's it's a neat mystery series that's worth checking out and it was also kind of fun because a lot of his panels will usually focus specifically on those last three years of the sylvester mccoy era but this one we got to hear a little bit about the the big finish plays he produced or he show run, however you want to call it and, and things like there's an alien race in there they're called the Metatraxi, And the Metatraxi are really evil, kind of super, kind of Klingon-y kind of creatures, you know, like are aliens. And what's fun about them is they have voice modulators, which are set in California dude-speak. So they all sound like laid-back surfers, despite the fact that they're violent creatures out to get you. Uh, so it was kind of fun to hear more about them, as well as his work on Doctor Who Adventures magazine, uh, which isn't Doctor Who Monthly. It's kind of a subsidiary of that aimed more at a younger audience. He does a nine-page comic strip in there, and one of the things that's fun about that is the Doctor's companion in his run has been a talking horse. So for all you Frobisher fans out there, uh, there might be a successor to that chain. So it's always great seeing Andrew. Um, I was able to get some books signed, uh, just chat with him over the weekend, and uh, he's just a really gracious guy, and if you're a fan of the Sylvester McCoy era, I mean, he's the guy behind it all. So if you ever get a chance to talk to him at a convention, he's so great. Definitely check him out. Um Sophie Aldred was there like I mentioned um she had a panel which was interesting as well because it focused on uh, more of her background with theater uh musical theater things like Fiddler on the Roof as well as uh, it talked about her career as a children's presenter And it's not something we usually hear about a whole lot, Um, but that was one of her big goals growing up, um, watching Blue Peter, was she wanted to be a children's presenter, and was even concurrently, I believe, on the show Corners while she was working on Doctor Who. So at the same time as we were watching those kick-butt adventures with Ace, she was also presenting children's television. That's pretty cool. One of the fun things about the panel that Sophie pointed out was that Matt Smith was not the first person to wear Fs in Doctor Who, nor was he the first person to yell Geronimo both were done by Sophie as Ace in those last couple years of the show. So it's just a fun little bit of trivia you can drop on people and, you know, maybe ask them who wears a fez in Doctor Who, something like that. And Sophie, of course, is another person who's really gracious. Um, I know Strangeness in Space, uh, her audio comedy series has been mentioned on this show before. If you haven't checked it out yet, find Strangeness in Space. It's a free audio comedy series. Each episode's maybe about like 25 minutes long, and it's definitely worth checking out. Now, wrapping up Friday evening, um, there was actually an intro To Big Finish panel, which I took part in. Uh, And intro to Big Finish is a pretty crazy topic at this point because you look at the fact that there's over 200 or around 200 main range titles, as well as you've got just, you know, I mean, all these different sidelines of of what Big Finish produces. Uh, But it was interesting because we had a very mixed audience uh, as far as people who are very new to Big Finish, people who are experienced with Big Finish, and we were able to give a lot of feedback and a lot of recommendations on good places to start. For those of you out there listening, if you haven't checked out Big Finish's Doctor Who work, Uh, Blood of the Daleks featuring Paul McGann and Sheridan Smith. It's really your key starting point. I mean, pretty universally, it seems like a lot of the people who are fans of Big Finish are fans because of The Eighth Doctor. And of course, the other thing to consider, and I know it's been mentioned on Podcastica before, is you can find a lot of these stories now on Spotify. So if you have a Spotify account, or even if you don't, you can get a free Spotify account, and there'll be some ads every once in a while. But uh, Big Finish, I mean, gosh, you know, we've got a year without Doctor Who, and, uh, you know, it's almost over, but that's no reason not to check out Big Finish. It will fill in the time when you're missing Doctor Who or even supplement the time when you already have Doctor Who. So that was fun. I was greatly thankful to be able to sit in on that panel. Saturday, I started out with a panel called Night of the Doctor, which was reflecting on Paul McGann's work, uh, of course, in the Night of the Doctor short story. It was kind of fun because it seemed like Paul hadn't seen it or at least hadn't seen it in quite a while, so his reactions were very visceral and very, very much along the fan lines. Um, You know, he was really watching more than commenting, but he had a lot to say after the fact and just kind of give us a feedback about how fast it happened. He was actually working on the Five-ish Doctors reboot, Peter Davison's uh, kind of, I don't know if you call it, it's not a fan film, but I mean, of course, it's just that that independently produced short video he did, which was kind of a tribute to classic Doctor Who that he did around the anniversary era. So Paul McGann was working on the Five-ish Doctors reboot. And part of the plot was that, you know, he wasn't invited back for the anniversary while he was filming it turns out that in fact stephen moffat called him and offered him this short film and he couldn't say anything about it to the other people involved in the five ish doctors So uh, just kind of a funny thing there, if you ever go back and watch The Five-ish Doctors and see his part in the story, take that into account. It kind of works with the narrative. Another thing that was neat about that panel was uh, he talked about a few of the different short films he's worked on, and there's one out there called Absence, written by Rob Savage. So if you can find Absence, please check it out. It's only three minutes long. It's on YouTube. It's free. Like, it's not even like if you can find it. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, Check out Absence. It's got a great twist and it's three minutes long it's about a grieving husband just yeah seek it out it's gonna blow your mind it's super cool so another fun thing that happened that day on saturday was i was coming out of a panel and i bumped into keir hansen from gallifrey public radio and he asked if i was doing anything in the next few minutes and i wasn't uh so he pulled me into a panel on power of the spoken word um and it was regarding speeches the doctor gives because as we know with the new series there's a lot of speechifying the big stonehenge speeches things like that so we looked at kind of the difference between the new series as well as what the old series had done in the past as far as how they handled speeches. And we discussed whether the words were integral as well as the performances, if the words could stand on their own, if other doctors could perform those speeches as well, Um, as well as what's uh, kind of the big convention thing right now, everybody trying to hand the doctor a speech and ask the doctor to read a speech performed by another doctor. Uh, Personally, I'm not really too into that. I think it's kind of just a little silly and it's, it's not really fair to ask the doctors to perform on the spot like that but I know there's a lot of people who love it uh, so I, I'm very thankful for here for pulling me in on that um, as well as um, I was in the crowd for Gallifrey Public Radio's uh, really cool discussion which was what classic elements could be brought into the new series and there was a lot of good discussion there as well because there is a lot of stuff from the classic series that could be pulled forward but maybe some stuff from the classic series that doesn't need to be or shouldn't be pulled forward definitely check them out when you get a chance I'm probably speaking up a few points during that panel Now i got to get an autograph from paul mcgann this uh on this saturday and it was pretty neat you know it was a pretty quick interaction things like that but what's funny is you're lined up outside the hallway to the small room you turn the corner in the room and there was someone in there playing the harp and it was just this very atmospheric sort of thing and it was it was just a very different experience from any uh, autograph signing i'd ever had in the past uh but it was neat to interact with paul for like the 20-30 seconds um, i had him sign the book of kells which is one of the, my favorite big finnish audios and uh it, w- it was definitely neat to meet him and then later on that day i also got to get my picture taken with the three doctors present at the convention that being peter davison colin baker and paul one of the things was neat was they had the console from the tardis of the 1996 tv movie so if you got those photo ops, you could get it your picture taken with whoever it was and that column uh the central column and the tardis and all that stuff and, and i kind of hammed it up a little bit i asked if they would mind giving me grouchy faces and i was dressed up as sylvester mccoy's doctor at the time so i think they were more than willing to accommodate that but uh they were all very friendly and very funny in that few moments and um, yeah, it's just really neat to get to take a picture with three doctors. I mean, if you told me I was going to do that 10 years ago, I would have had no clue that would ever happen. So uh, that was a lot of the big stuff for Saturday. Um, and then Sunday was a very quiet day, as most conventions are. I did attend a big finished fan meetup that day, which was really fun. And then wrapping it up for the day was the Time Scoop Live. Uh, it was the first time I ever got to do the Time Scoop in front of everybody. The Time Scoop, of course, being my fantasy draft uh, podcast that's kind of in hiatus right now. It was really fun because although the audience audience was small. We had a young audience, and to be honest, I was a little worried at first because I was thinking you know oh, all they 're going to know is new Doctor Who, how are they going to react to this? They loved it. I mean they were engaged in all the discussions, and when something from the classic series would come up, they would actually be really engaged in wanting to know what is that, where was that from, what is it like? I want to know. And so it was really neat to me, of course, to see young fans so engaged in things. Um, one of our panelists, uh, Tom, he drafted the Chumblies from the Hartnell era. So, I mean, that was kind of wacky. Um, Heather had an amusement park that was being run by the Daleks as a trap. Um, and Roger Delgado's master was in league with them. And that was something I could see taking place, like uh, maybe in the Pertwee era or one of the other eras. It's something that really felt genuine. Um, my Knucklehead itself had the Tetraps from Time in the Ranny facing off with Weeping Angels because a creature with an eye on every side of its head is going to be a good match for a weeping angel up to a point. So uh, the Timescoop Live, like I said, it was a smaller audience, but they were genuinely appreciative. They were really interactive. So for moderating my first panel, it was a blast you know like i said is i don't really engage with a whole lot of the guests but i mean again there was just lots of guests here so i mean if that's your thing if you're into fan panels and interacting with other fans there was so much cool cosplay throughout the weekend i mean somebody had made their own dalek costume i mean just genuinely like a dalek somebody had made that um there was somebody dressed up as mags from greatest show in the galaxy which is one i've never seen before um, lots of aces running around, lots of seventh doctors running around, which always warms my heart because we all know that's the best era of Doctor Who. So anyway, um, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up before I go on too much longer. But the couple things I might mention is, again, is that Ally Who is an annual convention. It takes place in Long Island. And, you know, if you didn't get tickets for Galley, if you live on the East Coast, or even if you just want to take an East Coast adventure, it's really worth seeking out. Um, it's going to take place next year on November 10th through 12th. And they've already announced three of the big guests. Uh, Louise Jameson, who played Leela in the Fourth Doctor era. Michael Troughton, Doctor of the Se- er, <laughs> Doctor- Michael Troughton, son of the Second Doctor. And Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor. So, again, it's, it's a really neat convention. It's you, you have access to the guests if you want to talk to the guests. You get genuine time to interact with them. You can do pictures, autographs, all these different things. There'll be celebrity brunches and dinners and things along those lines. There's a big dance party on Saturday night. I don't dance, but for people who liked it, they loved it. So, again, just Elihu. It was a great time, and I'm really glad I went. I hope some of you come out next year. I will most likely be there. Anyway, guys, I'll throw it back over to you. Thank you for the time. Alright, so there
1: you have it folks. Uh Long Island Who sounded uh pretty cool. Uh oh, yeah. we thank Mike for that and we cannot actually wait. Well we have to wait to see him in person and podcast with him at um Gallifrey. It should be a I'm good time.
0: So looking forward to that. That's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I am uh I'm pretty I'm pretty hyped for for Gallifrey I, I'm i just we still got some I think some planning to go through but uh we do oh boy I am I am excited so let's get into this who news uh here the boy do we have a lot of it
0: yeah I've got a feeling our review of the class episode is gonna be a little heavy on who news and a little lighter on story notes
1: well I mean that's that's fine, and especially this week because oh, yeah. we're only reviewing uh, one episode because we looked ahead and saw that four and five were a two-parter. Yep. And, um, yeah, and we're coming up on, like, we're getting more Who stuff's being released, mm-hmm. more information about season 10. So, closer and
0: closer to Christmas, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, we are getting closer to Christmas. Boy, where has the time gone? Tell me about it. Anyhow, the Radio Times reports that the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff will close in the summer of 2017. And it's not clear if it's going to open or move to a different location. Yeah. That's kind of sad because I've heard and seen good things from Doctor Who experience.
0: Totally. And so if you are in England or in Europe or you're headed there before summer of next year, make a point of checking it out.
1: Yes, please do. Take pictures and send them to us and yeah. make us very jealous.
0: <laughs> definitely.
1: I will let you take this next one, sir.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, I think a number of episodes back now, we, we had announced that Moffat was looking at bringing back a writer from Classic Who to do an episode for season 10, and that finally got announced uh, just this last week. It is going to be... Uh, A lady by the name of Rona Monroe, um, who actually wrote the very last classic Who story, unless you count the TV movie, which I don't,
2: um,
0: (laughs) called Survival. Uh, It was a Seventh Doctor and Ace story. Um, It involved the Master and Cheetah people. It was kind of weird. But she's going to be writing uh, episode nine of season 10, which is apparently called The Eaters of Light.
1: Ooh, interesting. I don't
0: know if it's a diet thing or what, but. It's
1: a new book. It has a companion book with it.
0: There you go, The Eaters of Light. <laughs> the Weight Watchers thing, right?
1: Very, very very interesting. Now, um, we have not watched this as Podcastica. No, ha- I, I would assume that you had watched this.
0: I have watched it, but not in a great number of years.
1: So no lasting memories besides cheetah people,
0: uh, cheetah people. I remember ACE kind of starting to turn into one and having like, um, you know, uh, costume contacts Ah, in, and, you know, uh, yeah, I still would like to see something in Dr. Who canon tying the cheetah people to like the, uh, the cat nurses from, like, the tenant era. Hmm. I'd like to see some sort of connection, even if they're related uh, races. But I'd like to see just that little nod there. Yeah. But we should, cool. watch, we should watch it at some point.
1: We will. I'm sure we will, we will get there. We, I mean, we still have a lot of wilderness year left. Indeed we do. So this next note, the Mirror is reporting, um, if you can call it reporting, that the BBC bosses want to see a clean slate and return of a more dashing tenant-esque doctor for season 11. And the article also reported that Bill's last name is Potts. Yeah. Um, Bleedingcool.com. Is that, what is the other one that's bleeding site? Isn't there another one?
0: There might be there's you you might be thinking of ain't it cool? That's
1: probably what I'm thinking. <laughs> of. Yeah, uh, bleedingcool.com has come forward to call the rumors baseless, which we knew that they were. Um, so the yeah, the mirror. So I guess we because it's just rumored that this is Tenet's, or I'm sorry, whoop! I just saw Tenet's name. Uh, <laughs> that this is Capaldi's last season, right? It's just a rumor,
0: completely rumored, and 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 having read the article in the mirror it is just completely like oh a source (laughs) at the bbc said right sure anybody can say that it it is wilderness year clickbait fodder and i have said that multiple times whenever that article would get shared like on facebook (laughs) i'm like people just don't don't listen to them or they're going to keep writing yep inane articles like this that just do nothing but stir up the fandom and that's not okay by me. It frankly pisses me off.
1: I know. I remember you went off on the mirror one on one uh, yes I have. Shoot week. Uh...
0: shoot yeah right <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: So this next one, here we go. This is this is very, very interesting. Um yes. why don't you go ahead and take this one? We'll switch off here.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Um so I don't remember the exact source. Some people have said it's the Mirror article. I don't remember it being in there. But three new monsters have reportedly been revealed for season 10. All right. Uh, Episode 2 is reported, and I'm going to say this throughout, it's reported. Once we get there, it can be totally different. It's reported to feature killer robots with emoji faces, which that, completely out of context, is kind of worrying.
1: That seems problematic
0: seems very problematic and really dated because, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years from now when, when emojis are a thing of the past and they were like, oh, why did we ever use those? That episode will look really, really
1: dated. Well, and I mean, if they hadn't kept this hanging for a year, maybe this would have been a little more with the times. <laughs> right. I'm just saying shoot week.
0: Uh, does that mean that we're going to have like a, a poop emoji faced robot? I really hope not.
1: Oh, jeez. Oh boy, this sounds like um, the guy who wrote um, "Sleep No More."
0: Oh God, I knew you were gonna say that.
1: <laughs> I sincerely hope it's not. Oh, he I needs really a agree. he needs a good comeback story after that one.
0: He does. No, I want to. Oh no, 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 Mark Breitler, Mark Mike Bartlett. I can't talk tonight. Uh, wrote episode four, not episode two. My bad. Okay, I don't okay. remember. I don't know who's writing episode two. Uh you want me to tackle the, the next
1: Yeah, just just Oh okay, okay omelet. cool I'll just keep
0: going. Nice. Um so apparently a snake monster that lives under the Thames in episode three uh is is another monster, and that okay. episode is gonna be written by Sarah Dollard.
1: Alright.
0: Um and oddly enough, speaking of, of Sarah Dollard, I did just see that it's now been exactly a year since Face the Raven aired.
1: Oh boy, that was today?
0: Uh, apparently
1: oh you know what yeah that makes sense that actually yeah that goes with my timeline right now in my yeah. head
0: <laughs> yeah because last season ended like the first weekend in December if I remember right yeah so how are you holding up
1: I'm fine <laughs> okay good. good
0: good good um so episode four the one that features uh the landlord played by David Suchet mm-hmm. uh and is written by Mike Bartlett uh, apparently has giant wood lice. Oh. Which hopefully is scarier than it sounds because giant wood lice doesn't actually sound all that scary.
1: Oh, maybe they try to eat the TARDIS. Maybe. That's very Only scary. find
0: out it's, it's not wood.
1: <laughs> it's not made of know. wood. <laughs> all right, so I'll tackle this this quote from the moth. Via... Uh, are
0: you gonna do, are You going to do it in his accent? No,
1: I can't do it in his accent. Okay. I've been told I can do like the next up on the BBC accent pretty good, but I'm not. I can't do impressions on the spot. It's weird. It's
0: not, tonight on BBC One, we present Podcastica in <laughs> 15. After that, Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs>
1: There you go. Perfect. So, The Moth via the Doctor Who magazine, says the companion should always be female. And there, here's the quote. Science fiction is notoriously male. You can tell that because everyone wears uniforms and marches around talking about rules. But Doctor Who has always felt, to me, rather female. It's full of kindness and compassion and... Uh, eccentricity eccentricity and wisdom instead of violence. And from that point of view, it is important to me that the main character, the doctor's best friend should be female. That's an interesting way to look at it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I 100% agree with that.
1: I think it's weird that he calls the main character, the companion.
0: Yeah. That is that part is interesting though.
1: That is very interesting to me. I mean, I guess he, the the I mean, to we know who the doctor is for the most part, but then when we you know get a main, okay, I don't know. That's that's strange to me.
0: <laughs> I I still I want to say male companion. I mean, I don't necessarily like the fact that it that the moth kind of uh, pigeonholes all males as being you
1: know no, are you not all menning right now i <laughs>
0: am yes i am not all menning right now oh god i am I well okay if we've got a kind and compassionate male i mean that's not a
1: problem i think maybe the what we're missing here is he's saying the companion should always be female but he's not ruling out a female doctor
0: True, but what do we do then? Do we have a female doctor and a female companion? Not that that would be a bad thing. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, they can pal around. Be an opposite.
1: They can pal around, and be friends. They can totally tell <laughs> <laughs> uh, Um That I'm really hung up on that last. The main character, the doctor's best friend.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'd actually be curious to know what the listeners think. So, so tweet at us at the Podcastica. And tell us what you think of the Mops quote. Yes, who do
1: you think is the main character of Doctor Who? Uh, The
0: TARDIS.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the TARDIS. There you go. There you go. Okay, so this week we watched the third episode of Class, Night Visiting. And um, it stars Greg Austin as Charlie Smith, Sophie Hawkins as April McLean, Fadi El Said as Ram Singh, Vivian OpaHara. Opara, Opara, yeah. as Tanya Adilou. That's a that is very phonetic, right there.
0: It's Adiola.
1: Adiola, Adiola, and Catherine Kelly as Miss Quill. It was written by Patrick Ness and directed by Ed Bezelgett, Bezelget, bat. Ba- oh.
0: look, look at the phonetic get. <laughs>
1: So if you guys don't know, if you don't know by now, uh, Taylor tries to help me out by writing everything phonetically in the uh, in the show notes. But apparently reading was not my strong suit in school. I'm an English
0: major, What can I say? Well,
1: no, that's true. And this first aired October 29th of this disaster of a year, 2016. Ah. But we yeah. won't get into it. Nope, nope. Stay we, positive, folks. We have some story notes, and um, the first story note is there really aren't enough story notes that would greatly further our understanding of the episode, and I 100% agree with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, you know, class is kind of, you know, doing its own thing, like, lightly attached to the Doctor Who universe, so unlike reviewing an episode of Doctor Who, there's not this grand network of connections, so... Not a lot of story notes.
1: I would love for you to take this next story note.
0: Okay. I, on behalf of everybody who works on Podcastica, so me and John, um, (laughs) want to give a shout out uh, to uh, Radiant Baby, both on the Twitters and the Instagram. Uh, I will say friend of the show, Nicole Maza, um, she provided some really cool behind-the-scenes info on the first two episodes of Class. Uh, She tweeted at us, And it was such neat information that I wanted to include it in this episode, and also say thanks to her. Um, So the old lady in, uh, I believe it's the first episode
1: in in the market,
0: yeah, in the market who makes this masturbation comment about catching her her husband on the stairs or something is actually played by a lady named June Hudson. Um, She was a longtime costume designer for classic Who. Oh.
1: That's very interesting. That's cool.
0: And I know, right? Um, Ed Basilget, who um, obviously is, is directing all of Class so far and is tripping up John uh, tremendously.
1: Basil-get.
0: Um, Basilget. All right. And if and if I see something and he pronounces it differently, then I will come on and issue a full retraction on my pronunciation of it. Um, he's actually a member of a band called The Vapors, uh, which may not instantly trigger a memory in most people's head but their famous song turning japanese probably will
1: that is a it's a fantastic song and let me tell you when ska bands cover it it's even better
0: oh god i bet i haven't even heard a ska version of it
1: i'll see if i can locate it for you i can't remember who does it but there is one out there
0: Oh that's fantastic. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a great song. It's very classically 80s. Um and when she dropped that bit of knowledge, I was like, "Oh my god, are you kidding? That's <laughs> awesome."
1: That is great. Thank you so much. Um I just I think I had headed over to our uh Facebook page and saw that she had left us some comments there and uh we very much appreciate it. I see all of the interactions you guys have on the Twitters and um yeah. Makes us feel feel good. Feel good inside. Right. It's it's cold in California, but it's warm in our hearts. The next song is uh, Turning Japanese by The Vapors. Okay, we're done with that. <laughs> Taylor, yes. you have a world-famous, award-winning, no awards yet, synopsis no, for us. If
0: you want to make one, I will. I will
1: oh, yeah. We will accept yeah. awards.
0: I will even take just you know a participation certificate. Um, cause I'm simple like that. <laughs> anyway, my synopsis, uh, for night visiting a bizarre hentai esque creature comes through the rift and is out to feed on every last bit of delicious closure. The people of earth are looking for, and apparently the tastiest mortal is Tanya, who isn't quite over the passing of her dad just yet.
1: Ooh boy. So, um, this episode was pretty deep. <laughs>
0: um yeah, it it had a bit of the spook, a bit of the creep and um lots of tentacles.
1: Yeah, so many tentacles. So we we, we start off this episode uh at a swimming pool, which I thought was extremely odd.
0: I thought it was a commercial for a resort. <laughs> I I was like, "What? What is this?"
1: It could have been.
0: It totally could have been.
1: Except for, you know, I like meant- the sadness at the end.
0: Well, yeah, and then I realized oh it this totally isn't a resort.
1: So it's basically like and it's set to um this song, because I apparently just love shazamming the songs, was uh Night Visitor by Jim Moray. Ah. So there you go. It's staying with the theme. Exactly. And basically it's it's a little montage of Tanya's parents meeting and you know her growing up a little bit and then the sudden passing of her of her father which was just like a boy yeah so uh and it's the second anniversary so we flash mm-hmm. forward to present day or the present night and she's in her room looking at the picture and she kind of puts it down and then she i think she hears something and looks over and uh, that's not creepy at all. Her dad is in the room somehow.
0: Yep. Oh, there's her dead dad.
1: And let me tell you, I am still absolutely in love with these opening credits.
0: Yeah, I'm really. I'm. It's growing on me more and more. Not that I ever disliked them, but it's like I don't know. I'm I just. To
1: it. <laughs> I love the. I love the song. I just love the look of it. It's just yeah. like yeah i'm like yes whoever did that they just nailed it (laughs) nailed it so i guess my first question is how is everyone not seeing this long tentacle thing that is traveling it's like i mean we find out later yeah but at the beginning i'm just like how is nobody seeing this giant these giant tentacles that are all over the place
0: Well, because they cut to a scene, like a couple of shots of like, you know, the exterior of the city, you know, looking down. Oh, you can see these tentacles are coming out of this rift and going into like everybody's home. And it's like, okay, so there's nobody driving around on the street, nobody out walking the dog. And how? No, sorry. Well, you lost me on an ounce of believability there.
1: It's Mateus, right? Is that his name? Yeah. Wasn't he Mm -hmm.
0: walking around? Um, He was because he goes over to... He goes over uh, to Charlie's house. Yeah, he goes over to Charlie's house. But I don't know, maybe the tentacles hadn't gotten to that part of town yet because he does get there and goes up to Charlie's room before... Oh,
1: that's right. Right? So let me tell you, I mean, we we are jumping ahead a little bit, but the comedic bit where, I mean, all this crazy stuff is happening and then we cut to Miss Quill reading a book... And the yes. beat where she she's reading the Hunger Games, and there's just a pause. She kind of puts the book down a little bit, and then just says, "Did this really happen?" And I'm I was dying. I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> yeah, she's just she's. I really like her a lot. I think she's a great character.
0: Likewise, and she uh, Catherine Kelly plays her really well.
1: So she lets uh, Matthias in. And he goes upstairs to hang out with Charlie, and we'll get to we'll get to that a little later. Um, uh, but I does somebody no okay. So uh, Ram calls April, mm-hmm. and they're kind of talking, and then I feel like doesn't his girlfriend who <laughs> just died appear in his room? Yes. And this is um, we get a jump scare. We do Which uh, Was very disturbing For me at least I scare very easily So um, There you go Everyone listening
0: Well They 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 finally Kind of um, What They use The lag In the video Chat To kind of Play this jump scare And they They do it really well
1: Yes I didn't even think about that They did use the lag again Mm -mm. Um, And she screams Holy mother of Kanye Which I thought Was very funny (laughs) <laughs> and I feel like I didn't take a lot of notes just because I was so creeped out at the whole interaction between Tanya and her and her quote unquote father who knew all of her. I mean, I feel like there's there's almost some truth to what the um, the tentacle, the, the Lincoln, as we find out, yeah. mm-hmm. there's some truth to what they're saying. But overall, they're he or they are pretty shady.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And, and and likewise I don't have a ton of notes um for covering the whole story, but again, I think you're right that's because so much of it is uh spent as this interaction between uh Tanya's dad who is, you know, creepy like the black-eyed kids being like, you know, let me in. Yes. Just touch me. Come on. Just just take my hand. Yeah. And You know, any notes I have to that effect is like, oh, God, no, don't do that. You know, what the effing eff is that (laughs) the moment I see the tentacle coming out of his back?
1: Yes. Uh,
0: And and there's just so much of that. In some ways, I almost feel like too much of the episode is spent just in that kind of, oh, I'm reaching out, but you have to reach the rest of the way. Yeah, it's like we don't need to rehash that. Five times it's like this episode probably could have been half as long
1: <laughs> right uh i'm trying like but, no go ahead
0: you know i no, no, no i'm just i'm not I, I get why they did it but you know because tanya is so kind of you know not over her dad and, and and all of that so that that kind of plays out she has to have this time to kind of get over him or get over his passing yeah so to speak but anyway
1: I, um, so Ram leaves his house. I think he tries to call his dad, like, 15 times. And there's just this very disturbing visual of him looking down the street. And you can just see, like, the silhouette of all of the tentacles going into every house. Yeah. And it's just, like, very bleh.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, And honestly, it was about this point that I... In real life, had quite a spooky experience.
1: <laughs> oh yeah! Please, please, please tell us about
0: oh, this. Gosh. Um, so I watched this uh, last Friday night, and uh, Amber and Kobe went out for their date night, and so I was the one. Well, I normally put parent to bed, but it's like the plan was like, okay, put parent to bed, pop down, watch class, take notes. Well, he had had quite a busy day and had a bit of a lie down earlier so when I put him to bed he actually really wasn't all that tired and so he was struggling to get to sleep Yeah. and he was making some noise as I was watching the episode and I was kind of like okay here let me pause it let me go check on him and so I go in and I'm like buddy what's up and he's like now this is something I've never heard him say to me which is what freaked me out he's like dad I don't feel like myself yeah having just seen these this this lincoln thing imitating you know yeah people's past loved ones and stuff to go in and have your own son go i don't feel like myself um and so it's like okay well who do you feel like (laughs) um and and really it just turned out that that he had had like something from like the b movie kind of stuck in his head
1: oh
0: and, and, and he was kind of getting a little freaked out about bees, but wasn't really understanding how bees and stingers work. And <laughs> it wound up being a little bit of a science biology lesson at the end of it, but it just took a while to get him calmed down. But that first reaction of like, Oh, Oh, what is going on here? <laughs>
1: oh geez. Already, already
0: kind of heightened from watching class. and I'm like, Oh God. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad it wasn't, uh, the lankin i'm
0: glad it wasn't the lankin either
1: (laughs) oh boy that in a whole nother story (laughs) right so we see ram i is he where is ram trying to go is he trying to go to april i think that's what the
0: i yeah i'm pretty sure
1: so he's he's walking down the street and we see this old man talking to what i guess was his mother and mm. he grabbed, he's like, yeah, I'll take your hand. And then he is immediately just, like, flung into space. Well, it's he's grabbed and, like, sucked back in t- through the crack. Yeah. Or the, what do they call it, the bunghole of time?
0: Uh, yes, the bunghole of time.
1: <laughs> and the reaction that fake Tanya's dad has is, oh, is just gross. It's gross.
0: <laughs> And the sound effects every time that like he he would blink his eyes, oh just, yes, like, that squicky sound. It was like oh my god,
1: yeah, very. Ugh, did not like that at all.
0: <laughs> so that said, well done. Yes, we're um, having that reaction
1: to it. So let's not g- uh, go too far away. I mean, throughout this this story, Miss um, Quill is she is actually also visited by someone who is her or resembles her sister and obviously she doesn't believe it because she's the only one left of her kind right so she's trying to figure it out while uh charlie and Mateus are upstairs you know doing as they do
0: doing as they do which which strangely i really i don't have any notes i don't about that it was just like one of those things where i'm like all right Cool.
1: I don't have any notes good about figure. it either. Yeah, good. O- honestly, good for them and good for the BBC for tackling this because I guarantee you if this was in America, there this would not be a storyline. Uh, or, or it would or be it, a storyline and they'd be dead by now.
0: Or, or it would be played for like bad comedic effect and they would be caricatures of themselves.
1: Yeah, I just like that they are real people. Well, one is an alien. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> real people with real feelings and I like that they the conversations they had they seemed just like honest conversations and I just really like that we can have these great like character building scenes between we have some with Ram and April which we'll get to in a second and Charlie and Mateus in the midst of like these crazy world ending events and it doesn't feel like they're wasting any time
0: yes I absolutely agree that's well said
1: I think yes, I was just like there's a thing happening, but I'm also very interested to hear um what Mateus is scared about and what they think love is, and then I'm also interested to hear about April's backstory where we find out her father was a fiddle player who is a drunk apparently and tried to kill them and himself yeah. and that's how we find out his his or her mother's paralyzed is because the dad was so drunk and he had them in the car and he tried to like commit suicide with them in the car. Good job, dad. Yeah. Right. So he's in jail now. So that's, we get the little backstory on that.
0: I do have the reaction at one point of, Hey, no blood on ramp so far.
1: Yeah. Good for him. He's moving up in the world.
0: He makes it through the episode with none. So that blew my whole idea of him having blood on him every single episode out the window.
1: Yes. And, Um, we, we get that little sit down between Ram and April and, um, uh, we're, we're kissing now, I guess.
0: I I honestly, like not until right before it happened, I just didn't see that coming.
1: I didn't either because I was, and I, I don't usually use this phrase. Um, I was kind of shipping Tanya and Ram. I thought that was going to be a thing.
0: You know, with the amount of time that they've been talking and interacting and stuff, you we're right in thinking that.
1: Yeah, but we uh we got a little it's a little switch switcheroo here.
0: It, honestly, knowing teenagers, I guess that's not to say that a Tanya Rand thing couldn't happen.
1: Very true. In this edgy show. Because it's so right this, now. <laughs> it's so right now. This isn't your dad's Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um so the so we in Charlie's room at uh, one of the tentacles comes into the room and starts kind of manifesting itself. Yes. And I thought that was cool looking CG. I thought that looked pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And
0: I <laughs> know yeah, probably the best line of the episode.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Mateus says, do you often see your parents after sex? That was, I love Mateus. I think he is, he is a, fantastic character i think yeah he i guess he would be the, somewhat the comic relief a little bit a,
0: a little bit yes but i think i think at the same time charlie's you know alien trying to be human persona and not getting like the colloquialisms yes and stuff or or or, or the puns and being like kind of the straight man yeah for you know in a comedic sense, not in a rest of it sense. Right. Um, you know, there, there's definitely that dynamic because obviously they, they've just gotten done. And he's like, I thought I saw my parents. in the <laughs> <room.">
1: <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. So good. I was, tra- I was trying to think of what that line was for. Cause I have it just written down mm-hmm. and they, I believe at this point they decide to go downstairs and they find out, that Miss Quill has, did she punch it or did somebody else punch it?
0: Because she can't. Uh, No, I I think she can
1: punch. She just can't use weapons. Oh, she asks them to go get two very large knives and they come back with, I believe it's a screwdriver and some like shears or something like that.
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: And (laughs) she tells Charlie to stab it in the hand. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to see, but I watched. Um, yeah. And um, there's the really bl- bad phlegm line. Yes. And we find out that this isn't like a race of aliens. It's one individual alien.
0: Yeah, I think at some point it's it's kind of almost referenced to uh, 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 like a tree. Not that it is a tree, but just kind of comparing like the – uh alien to kind of like a root and branches. Yeah, so to speak.
1: I thought like I ve- who said it. Right. I thought very interesting uh character. I it's almost even scary. It's like um, a Hitchcock thing that we didn't actually see the end of the monster or where the monster or the alien began.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it we just see it coming out of the rift.
1: Yes. Mhm. And <laughs> By the way, Mateus lives with us now. Whatever, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just she just doesn't care. She just wants to fight things. Yeah. Oh, and at one point, her quote unquote sister tries to hand her the gun that was destroyed. Yes. And it, as soon as they get rid of her, um, oh, and my other favorite part is Charlie's like, oh, I have a hundred missed calls from April. I'm like, what? Did you have your phone off? I don't. I mean, clearly you were busy. I get it. But, like, right. you didn't hear it ring or, like, buzz 100 times?
0: Maybe it was under a pillow. Oh, know.
1: maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe, have you ever noticed, like, shows that take place in modern day, they have, like, people have flip phones?
0: My brother still has a flip phone. Oh, come on. No, he's, like, technophobic.
1: Oh, okay. Something. Well, fair enough. Like, Gotham, <laughs> they have flip phones. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. I do it, uh, understand.
0: Alternate timeline where... <laughs> oh, maybe. Touch screens haven't been invented yet.
1: I guess. I don't know. Or I don't know. Um, yeah. So where are we? Oh, so everyone kind of... They're like the main... The main uh, tentacle is going into Tanya's house. So we should all head on over there. And Ram and April are kind of already there. They yep. show up before everyone else. And the... Um, her dad is getting like very antsy. Like it, he it almost seems like he's pulling away, but still reaching out to her. Yes. At one point, yeah. So it's almost like uh, I don't know. It was very almost like inviting a vampire in. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a good analogy. I, I mean, this the this creature the the Lincoln feeds on grief it feeds on it feeds on like people's desire for closure
1: yes so yeah so it feeds on that and it eventually i guess kind of convinces tanya to to grab hands and uh that doesn't actually work out yeah (laughs) because that
0: was a nice twist i did not see this coming
1: i didn't either i was like well why why is it like I don't understand and I was like oh she used her <laughs> you used your anger to <laughs> kill her oh episode 3 uh, so bad so so bad anyway
0: at least we fell into a volcano
1: true so so Tanya says I you know she used her hate and poisoned the Lankan but um, and we're outside the rest totally. oh go ahead
0: I was just gonna say that it doesn't totally quite work because I was expecting to see him like shrivel up and like
1: yeah which I was like oh that was kind of an easy Yeah. at first I was like that's kind of easy and it turns out that it only just weakened him and meanwhile th- this whole scene's going on where uh, the Lenkins trying to convince Tanya to like uh, you know go with him and just saying everything that only the dad would know Mm-hmm. Uh, puddle calling her puddle.
0: Yes. Oh my god. And the story behind why her nickname was puddles. Oh my
1: god. That's so gross.
0: This was hilarious. It's
1: funny and also gross. Uh,
0: well, yeah, yeah. Don't don't jump in puddles of horse piss.
1: oh So we think, and meanwhile, everyone outside is trying to figure out like we need to get this main thing out of here, and then you know maybe everything else will go away. And um, her. Her hatred poisons the Lankin, but only weakens it momentarily. And out of nowhere, (laughs) (laughs) here comes a double-decker bus driven by Miss Quill.
0: Because why not?
1: Because why not? And she, like, drives it into the tentacle and effectively sends it back through the rift.
0: Yeah, just yanks Tanya's dad, like, out the window.
1: Oh, yes. Like, completely out the window. Now, I want to know, like... How do you explain that to your parent to your parental unit?
0: How do you go? Um. So, mom,
1: dad was we're gonna here. We
0: have to get somebody to fix the entire window of our house.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, like, Because it
0: like tore out the frame of the house?
1: Yeah. Like, how? How did that discussion go?
0: I don't know. We don't get to see that. We do get to see uh, Tanya and her mom kind of sitting down and having like a good reminiscence having that closure. Yeah. Um, but not the whole oh yeah, mom, so you were bundled up in a bunch of tentacles. Oh yes. And my brothers were and I know when you kinda came to I had a boy and a girl in my room.
1: <laughs>
0: um which that could be a whole different episode of class, but we'll get to that another time, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um so yeah, we don't we don't really get to see that, but I do like right at the very end of the episode how the show actually has basically the balls to call out its own sense of oh how convenient nobody really remembers what happened.
1: Yes, yeah. I thought so that was pretty funny. It does tend to happen a lot. <laughs> no one remembers and the gang all gets together and they they're all patting themselves on the back but nobody's given poor Miss Quill, any any credit here? Yeah. Which is kind of like, she was like, hey, I did I did things. I drove a bus. Yeah. Yeah. So she was kind of sad about that. And then we find out that, is that a different gun or
2: parts of the gun?
1: gun? Yeah, because I... at the end she's like a warrior needs a gun and she goes into like this little uh, cabinet and she has like parts of a gun.
0: I, you know,
1: I guess I'm we'll find sure. out.
0: <laughs> we will we will find maybe she's got a 3D printer and stolen plans off the internet somewhere. I don't know.
1: Oh, maybe. Uh, what'd you think of this episode overall?
0: Uh, overall, it, it it was good. It it kept my attention. I like I said I I I feel like you know, a couple points were kind of like rehashed a few too many times and I kind of feel like slamming a Bus into it was kind of just like a, uh, we need to finish this up now. Yeah, uh, let's have a bus crash into it. Okay, sure. Why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly did. It had some problematic things going on, but it also had some some really good stuff. We had a lot of good character building scenes. I thought. Totally. Um, yeah, and we. And I, and I mean, I think, we did see some teamwork, but not. Oh yeah. Not as oh, yeah. much as the and previous I, episodes.
0: I think the basic idea of it. the the fact that people want closure for things people are often haunted by stuff that they're unable to say or didn't get a chance to say to those who have passed on is really rather universal and i think it's something that that almost everybody watching can probably relate to on some level
1: oh definitely and i guess the other thing i i I wanted to say about this episode is it doesn't really feel and i'm i'm very sure they're like yeah because it's it's called class it doesn't feel like there's one character who is more important than the other characters and i say that um but we have a two-parter coming up where one character looks way more important than the other ones (laughs) yeah but i mean so far it seems like everyone is on an even level all these characters just when you think, oh, maybe that person is supposed to be the main, like another character comes in and they kind of even it out, and I kind of like that, an ensemble, if you will. Indeed. So there you go. So next time, we will be watching episodes four and five. It's a two-parter of class. Yeah. Um, I'm, I am very. It looks like we we took a small detour from the smoke. What was it called? Not smoke.
0: Oh, the Shadowkin?
1: The Shadowkin. We took a yeah. small detour and we're uh, headed right back and it's it's like a full swing thing. It looks pretty uh pretty gnarly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Where we're going. So, do you have anything else? Anything else before I start plugging away here?
0: Oh, no, let's plug.
1: All right, so you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search uh, the podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at J.P. That's J-P-T-H-R-I-C-E. And you can follow Taylor on Twitter.
0: At Apex Buddha.
1: Um, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search The Podcastica. Rate and review us as well. And also subscribe to us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. Huge shout-out to the Y-Axis. They do our music, and I believe this Friday their new album comes out. So head on over to uh, – you can follow them on Twitter. It's at the y You can uh, like them on Facebook, facebook.com slash the y And they're on Spotify, and you can check them out on Bandcamp, theyaxes.bandcamp.com. Uh, go support them there the song that you hear in the open and close of this show is on that album. Um, they have been very kind to us and letting us just use their music willy nilly and, um, yeah, go support them. Black Friday, support them. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and buy one of our podcastica shirts or a mug or a sweatshirt. Or I don't know what else we have. But, you know, head on over. We got two designs. We have the Galfrain writing one and the awesome design that my friend Rachel did for us.
0: Exactly.
1: And head on over to Patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G and support Podcastica and all of the other shows on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. And that is it for us this week. Join us again next time as we review the two parter, which I don't have the names of the episodes, episodes four and five of class. And we will talk to you guys then. See ya. ya. Guys, one of these days, I'll be able to pronounce everyone's name. But that day is not today.
0: Night of the Living poop.